Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hello, my beautiful friend. Hi. What's going on? Oh, my gosh. Good good to be back. It's good to be back with you. (laughs) I am so glad you're back. Welcome. Welcome home. Welcome home to my most favorite thing ever we get to do. I know. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't, for some crazy reason, follow me on Instagram. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I just got back from California, although not sure when this will air, but um yeah, it feels good to be back in the UK. It's really funny. Um, the the taxi driver, as he dropped us off, he always, he's the same guy. He's so nice. He always takes us to the airport. And he was like, what do you consider home, California or London? And I'm like, honestly, every single time I do this trip, London feels <laughs> yeah. never, I would never thought I would think that, you know? Well, how long, how many years has it been? Remind me. I know it's. This is like 16 now. Yeah, that's what it was. So that's the same amount of time that essentially, actually almost identically to when we moved from Virginia down to Georgia. And I have found myself over the last couple of years, like really saying like Virginia, I mean, and, and there's a like a, I guess that, it's weird saying maybe Virginia is not home, but yeah, but also yeah. like we are, yeah, Atlanta is home. It's been home for a long time. All my children are born here, like yeah. yours are born there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so funny because when you, especially when you're not drinking, right? And like we we end up creating these, like just I don't know. Home is like peaceful now. Home is like means no family drama. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's some family drama, but it's not like extended family drama. Yeah, it's just it feels quiet and peaceful, and I'm sure all of that will change in like ten hours. But like you know what I mean? Well, I think you bring up a really good point because I think that's where. Um, doing this work and finding freedom from alcohol, we've created this retreat in a sense um, yeah. in in our daily lives and our routines and our homes and our all of that. Whereas that daily life, when I was stuck in the drinking cycle, that was chaos. And so yeah. I, you know, I fiend for the getting away from home and getting away from the 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 busy and the hustle and the chaos that was that life. And, you know, vacation or going back to Virginia to visit. It's like it was like a, more of an escape, whereas, yeah, know, escape from that chaos. Whereas now, my gosh, I love being home. And I, I, yeah. I think that's probably, you know, potentially what you're feeling, too. Yeah, 100%. It's so funny. Like, just exactly what you just said. You feel like the when you're drinking, you feel like the need to escape home. And now yes. home is like is the haven. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, all of that. So good. So good. I'm, so glad to be back. <laughs> so, so good. So true. So um, one of the the uh, listener listener responses has been, please talk about what these early days free from alcohol looks like. And you and I have both talked in the past, too, about and on different episodes, the difference between, you know, being alcohol free and being free from alcohol. When you're free from alcohol, you have that change in desire. It takes up, you know, it's it's not hard not to drink. Um, yeah. There's zero effort involved. And so we wanted to talk from that lens today versus if we were, 
doing the alcohol experiment, so to speak, and you yeah. know, just try, you know, doing a sober curious experiment, that's different than what we're talking about here, where it's like we are free from alcohol and what what do these first few months look like? That is, yeah. We're gonna, did you know, we're though, ahead. like at the beginning, like, did you know that that's what it was going to be? Because I didn't. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're different. You're exper- and this is why it's so valuable to talk about this, because our experiences were a little bit different. I did because I had done all those other yeah. this and tried this and did that. And this time it it, it was just totally I didn't set out to say today I'm starting my alcohol-free journey. I didn't set a date and say, okay, now I'm starting. I literally went to the went to the nutcracker, had a glass of wine. I was like, I don't even want this. You know what? Yeah. I think, I think I'm done. And then that next day I started, I woke up and I was like, no, I don't ever want to drink again. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So there was a, a big kind of like shift for me um, in in that I- in that time. And had you like started to do some of this work before? It was just yes. like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess that, and we've talked about it on other episodes, but yeah, for clarification, in case you haven't heard those parts, yes, yeah, I had been, I had found this naked bind. I had been gotcha. months and months of doing what, you know, Annie says in the book, continue drinking while you're exploring this. So I did it that way where it was like, okay, I'm going to keep drinking. I'm going to keep paying attention. I'm going to keep being curious. I'm going to, you know, and that's where it finally led to, I'm drinking this and I literally don't even want to be drinking this. And, oh, wait, I don't have to do this anymore. And and that I, I knew at that point that there was no benefit, no desire to actually drink it. And, and that was very different than anything I'd ever experienced to that point. Yeah, it's such a good testament to like how mindful drinking can actually work, which is like when you say that to people that don't un- like really understand what we're doing here, it's like, wait, what? But I actually yeah. just had the coolest thing with a client who um, she's a Christian gal. We started working together and she was like, I am not ready to stop. And I was like, OK, cool. I got you. Here are some questions. Right. And she was going yes. off on vacation to her lake house. And she was like, I just gave her a set of questions. And it was just about like, what are the whys and what are the jobs? Are you getting whatever, blah, blah, blah. She comes back after a week at the lake and she's like, I really honestly, like I drank through it and I never want to drink again because it didn't do any of the things that I was drinking it for. And it was like one week of mindful drinking and she's yes. just like literally on the road to freedom. Wild. Yes. So that mindset, so different than if we're going into it like, I can't drink for this week and oh my gosh, oh, uh, how am I going to get through it? And it's going to be this or that or whatever with already those preconceived ideas of how miserable it's going to be versus what you're describing. I, I I have a client I'm thinking of, I have her face in mind right now, who's like, no, I like, I don't even really want to do anything with this drinking thing. But like, <laughs> let's, but yeah. let's just, you know, okay, I'm open to hearing and seeing if we can find some, you know, and it's the same thing. It's like when you can turn to that curiosity and without that like predetermined this is going to be miserable or I can't do this or you know whatever those limiting beliefs are like just get curious you can always go back to doing it the other way like she could do yeah. her lake trip again uh yeah. drinking if she wanted to if it wasn't you know and 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 that's what's yeah yeah that's good about it I love it yeah yeah well should we like bust out your 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 journal because I'm so, so excited I know <laughs> so when we were when we were talking about doing this episode you know I was like, well, I mean, what better way to bring the truth of and let's pull back the curtain of what newly free from alcohol 
looks like. Really feels um, like. In I've, your actual words from the days. I love it. From the days. Uh, straight from my journal. So December. Are you, are you British when you journal? <laughs> hey, you never know. Never know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I am. December 3rd, 2019. Yesterday was the start of my freedom from alcohol lifestyle. I was expecting it to be super hard, especially when five o'clock hit, but I poured myself a LaCroix and very mindfully sipped on that in a wine glass. I expected my mood to shift to that of irritation and annoyance because not having wine would equal deprivation, but I didn't feel deprived at all. Other times I've tried this, many other times, I felt like I was missing out. That translated then to impatience and irritability. Plus, I'm sure that my body reacting to the lack of the lack of chemicals trying to get to homeostasis exacerbated those feelings, but not yesterday. But I felt strangely euphoric. And I think that high came from the, f- the freeing I felt by not being controlled by alcohol. The difference between being alcohol free and being free from alcohol. It's sad to me to think of how much time my life has been consumed thinking about planning for and ultimately consuming wine. How did I get here? It's also been so cathartic to realize that the very thing I have been using to take the edge off is actually the very thing causing me to have edges to take off. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So good. Wow. So you had done like a lot. You knew the lingo and you, you knew the feel, you knew all of it going in, which is so awesome. Yeah, it was, it was definitely like what, cause it was that nutcracker. It was, we were at the nutcracker watching the ballet and there's wine. And normally I would have had several glasses. We would have gone to lunch, actually might've gone to church first and then lunch and then, and, and I remember ordering that glass of wine and it was like, I was like, what do I even want that? It was that question. Do I even want this? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. And I drank and I was like, no. No, I don't. Li- I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. And it was the next day that I was like, mm, "Yeah, I, I'm good." And I woke up with that high. But then, you know, like, and that's where we talk about too. That you know, I said like, it's not my fault being stuck in the drinking cycle. You know, I've been sold lies that our culture, you know, the lies of our culture that alcohol is a good thing for us and brings us benefits. But now I know the truth. I, you know, and then this entry was followed with like, I, you know, I can't help but think what a perfect gift I can give my kids this Christmas, a fully awake, no, not just that. till 5 p.m. mom, Yeah, when I can continue free from alcohol. Yeah. I love that. I and love that so much. I love that wa- you. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I love you that you journaled through it because like my experience was just so different. It was, it was okay, I know I need to take a break. And then it was concentrating on, you know, mm-hmm. not drinking for a little bit and kind of like writing those cravings out, like actually really dealing with those cravings. Mm-hmm. And then and then while I wasn't drinking for the first like time in a long time, getting all this knowledge under the belt, but 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 also like just feeling so much better as I went, you know? And I'll never forget like one of my light bulb moments in those early days was one of one of Annie's lessons, I think from the book or the experiment or something, just that like the, I can never say this word, lethargy, being lethargic. Lethargy, yeah. Is it lethargy? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
or lethargic. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I felt like I kind of do right now where I was just like totally jet lagged, you know, like I just exhausted, exhausted, even though I like felt like I was sleeping the best that I had slept in like so long. But I felt like jello. Like I literally felt like a human jello person. And a human I just jello remember, person. <laughs> I just remember Annie like saying somewhere that that's your body healing, right? Mm. Your body is healing. And so like I fully embraced it and I took a lot of naps. I took yeah. a lot of naps and and then we went into lockdown, like because I started this whole thing for me March 2020. And so I could nap because there was nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the, I mean, the, one of the kindest things we can do to our bodies is uh, pay attention, to be gentle with them and and give them that extra care and restoration they need. Because when they are, when they're used to all of those chemicals being and being able to predict that those chemical happenings in our bodies, and then it doesn't have that, I mean, it does, it's burning a lot of energy to try and find yeah. its new normal. And so of course we're going to be exhausted. Plus it, there's an exhaustion that comes along with like finally just stepping into this more awake, more, I don't know, bright eyed, open eyed life. That's, that's something for me that I, I can, I mean, and I have it written here too. Like j- just, it's like technicolor. It's like yeah. life and yeah. technicolor, which means also Life in Technicolor means that it's a lot. It's a lot. So yeah, resting, napping. Yeah. If that's something, paying attention, being able to pay attention to what your body needs. So huge. Yeah. That's a great gift of being free from alcohol. You can actually like, oh yeah, no, I am feeling exhaust- exhausted and a nap would be a great thing yeah. to do. Yeah, you definitely, I wish someone had like literally spelled that out for me in the beginning, right? That you do not have to go at your normal speed yes. like, when you're when you're doing this because your body is 100% going to recalibrate from being addicted to an addictive drug, right? Like I remember thinking to myself, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like I, I know why people need medical detox. Like I wasn't like to the point where I needed a medical detox. Like I wasn't shaking or anything like that, but I could definitely yeah. feel my body adjusting and healing. And I remember thinking to myself, oh gosh, like I, I can see why someone would need to go away and get like IVs and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> well, and if we think back to like Dr. Brooks episode and, you know, talking yeah. about the chemical change, like there's such a good episode. I love that so, episode. I know it's, but like all of the, the hormones that our body, you know, normally releases and all of the chemical happenings, I keep saying chemical happenings. I don't know what that. I didn't even notice you said it twice. So all good. of the <laughs> chemical happenings in our body have been, working in a way very regularly if you're a regular drinker in a way and all of that is shifting so listen to this um so december 4th i successfully spent yesterday free from alcohol and uh it was not hard at all in the past i would obsess over not being able to do it where my focus is constantly on it no freedom at all because my mind was always on alcohol even when i wasn't drinking it the uh, the focus on alcohol. I can't read my own handwriting. What does that say? <laughs> I can't read mine either. <laughs> the focus on alcohol is the very thing that has kept me shackled all these years and especially this past year. But now that I know and 100% believe that alcohol provides zero benefit and it is in fact a toxic, addictive poison, I don't desire it like I did 
so badly before. I've been on such a high with this newfound freedom from the mommy wine trap. It's It's been wild. Uh, I'm intentional with my kids, my time, my thoughts. When I was in the alcohol prison, it controlled me in every way and I didn't even realize it. I thought because I'm not sneaking vodka and water bottles or drinking during the day, unless all my friends were or out at lunch Brunch. Brunch. Out, <laughs> or at a sporting event or a concert. Brunch. Vac- vacation, <laughs> day drinking, boat drinks. Yeah, all the things, brunch. Airplanes. Airplanes, yep. travel, all of which I used to justify my need to have wine. And it justified that I can't have a air quote problem uh, with alcohol. Truth is, though, just because I wasn't drinking all day, it occupied my thoughts. Energy goes, this is good, energy goes where attention goes and my attention was always on my next treat Ooh. you should publish this journal in a sub stack oh and, and you should totally do something with this journal because it's literally fascinating it's it's pretty good huh i mean yeah i like i so enjoyed pulling this out and i mean i have before but it just yeah it blows my mind so my very next thought though was this is interesting because this is where I think people go, okay, like, so it's just rainbows and unicorns. I said, I worry, though, that this newfound happiness and euphoria will be short-lived. Mm. Mm. I, fear, I fear that I won't be able to maintain this freedom. Uh, so that's why I need to keep looking up at the Lord, revisit the truth about the dangers of alcohol, and just do the next right thing. And remember, I can drink anytime I want to. Yeah. But I never have to again. Yeah. 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 What would say, read the thing that you said about the fear again? Because I feel like that's something we both always hear from clients. What you fear that you can't mm-hmm. keep keep at it? Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, I worry that this newfound, you know, happiness and euphoria will be short lived. I fear that I won't be able to be able to maintain this freedom. So that's yeah. where we start to get into that. Like, so then we're experiencing yeah. the benefits. We're seeing how life really is when we're feeling free from alcohol. And and then that's when, I mean, a, con- a convenient place for also people to yeah. show up and start oh my gosh, kind of planting yeah. those seeds of doubt again, right? And yeah. put us back into that place of like, oh no, and like, let me hold on tight here. When when we start holding on tight, we start worrying, we start grasping, that's when we're creating that tension and that stress that, you know, in that moment, yeah. we have to remind ourselves that that, dis- that is not, uh, you know, our old way of getting out of that discomfort of experiencing that would be to, you know, break up into the bottle of wine. But yeah, you don't, you don't have to do that anymore. And this is normal. And that was something that, Also, I think it was on day two, I said I was driving home from the gym and I'm just irritable and, or maybe it was day four, whatever. And I only have it marked that way for these first few days. And I was really, I'm like, oh my, it was like this panic. I'm, I'm irritable. I'm off. It reminded me of how I felt when I was in the drinking cycle of just being short fused, that low grade irritability we talked about. And it was this moment of like, and then I went to the gym and that didn't like make me feel better. And gosh, I wish I could find that page because it was so good. And it said, I don't know how to fix this. Yeah. I don't know how to fix this as if having 
uh, you know, a less than euphoric state is something to fix. And right. so it also shows right. how early stages of like, you know, when we're not numbing ourselves, when we're not escaping and we are fully awake and fully present. And by the way, we're going to have days where we're just not feeling great. And I looked back at my, I got curious about why I could be feeling so irritable. It doesn't have to, the story was you feel irritable and, you know, fix this it. is, and, and you fix it and this is not normal. Like this yeah. must be a sign that this isn't working. This must be a sign that your freedom's not lasting or whatever. But I had that moment and I, I wrote about it in here where I paused and I got curious about it. And turning to that curiosity allowed me to see that like, what is my expectation that I'm going to be happy and never experience a negative emotion again for the rest of my life? Come on, that's insanity. But yeah, I hadn't really adapted to that new normal yet where I was going to experience, like we all do, a roller coaster of emotions at all times. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I actually just heard when we were coming back from California, we were, I was in the locker room at the beach and I overheard a mom say to her little girl who was crying about something like, you know, there's no reason to cry. Crying's not going to fix it. Like, stop crying, stop crying. And I just thought to myself, oh, my gosh, like that is what we all yes. have thought. And and I've, I'm sure, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I've said that to my kids, too. But like, yes, yes, just Agreed. that it's not... And I, I stopped and I literally made a note in my phone to make sure that I went back and added something about this in the book to a good extent, because we are taught to fix our feelings and that we're supposed to we are supposed to feel great all the time. Yeah. And if we don't feel great all the time, there must be something wrong that we in order that we must blah, that we must fix. And for both of us, that was like the automatic bandaid was always wine. Right. So it's like. You get to pause and you get to feel the feelings and you get to get curious about about that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do anything except for welcome the feelings and feel them. Gosh, yes. I, wish I, I wish I had known that when my mom died. <laughs> uh, you know, like just, yeah. of course you're feeling grief. Your mother just died. I actually just did that with a client. Her mom passed away and that like we just sat there and I was like, can we just like put our hands on our heart right now and can we just take a deep breath like and uh, can you like allow everything because this is so valid and of course you're feeling this way and we're just not taught to do that you know yeah so good well and that's just it i mean now you know i teach i teach my clients the containment hug where it's left hand under right armpit and right hand on left shoulder and it's and then it's pausing and getting finding your breath in your body and that kind of you know, I didn't have that back in the very beginning. That would have been very valuable then because yeah. what it does is it allows that, you know, energy to kind of move through you. Like if you, if you're not resisting against the irritability, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, if you're not constantly fighting against it, then you can get that clarity around that it is just something that's maybe bubbling up and needs to be released. And when we allow it to do that, it's so much, it's so much different, but we weren't taught that and we were sold whether it was from you know our families growing up because we're girls and it's like don't be you know needy with all your emotions keep it keep it down don't be hysterical and also culture makes a lot of money off of us believing that we should be happy and all the time because then we are always spending money on things like wine to yeah. chase chase the happy 
Yeah. 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 So good. It's so good. And I, you know, I think too, so this just kind of made me think of this too. That is that opportunity that we, so another of the unexpected gifts, surprise gifts of being free from alcohol is we have this opportunity with our children to do it differently. And Mm -hmm. so like, I know that, you know, emotions weren't something that like I was taught and probably my parent, my parents' parents didn't teach then. And so then like, there are like generations of folks that were not taught how to do this. And that's something that we get to like share with our our kids now and yeah. how valuable for them. And so when, they're, yeah. when that regret creeps in and we talk about, gosh, for another episode, my journals, when I was stuck in the drinking cycle, those journals would be wild. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we'll ever do that one. But um, yeah, I, I for the regret, I think that's where we also can see that it's like, yes, we didn't know that. But if I had to go through it this hard way, to get to this place where I do know how to do this and have these emotions and not freak out and not try and fix them and not try and solve them. It, I get to teach my kids how to do that. And that's made it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to circle back to like when you were, we were talking about that fear, right? The fear of not being able to remain free. Let's talk a little bit about what that looked like in the beginning days. For me, it was definitely like, I'm going to drop the ball around other people Like, I didn't think like Mm. that was my biggest fear. And like, again, I did this in COVID. So every time something got canceled, because it was a drip cancellation in the beginning, you know, Mm. but I remember like when, for example, like Royal Ascot, which was a massive thing that we always do with a big group. And it was a huge boozy thing when that got canceled, like the relief and just like the relief every time something kind of got canceled and I could just chill and focus on doing this like that was my fear my fear was like i wasn't actually necessarily like worried and i know this is different for for like different people some people really feel nervous to be home alone you know because that's not to say that i didn't drink home alone every single night i did but for some reason like it was just like i knew i could i could do this at home but i was scared about like the outgoing world what about you yeah well that's what's so cool about when i did this because i don't think i had a lot of fear because it was, I mean, this was December. This was right before the holidays. And with December came all kinds of, so in my journal, I do say one of these, I, you know, I have a ladies brunch to go to this morning. So this was a weekend, a weekend of freedom from alcohol. And I have a ladies brunch to go to this morning. And I know it could potentially be a challenge. I I don't want to be naive. That's, and that's where fear's talking to. It's like, kind of fear comes in like don't don't get too ahead of yourself don't get too cocky right like we hear that from clients all the time oh my gosh all the time and I'm like no no you don't have to say that like that's not gonna that has no bearing on the outcome right like now if you're living in that fear-based place to your point like that can that can do something but I said I'm also this is what was so cool I'm also weirdly excited to go uh and be able to definitively decline wine. Wow. Like, so like my, there was that, and this goes back to, to like we talk about so so often in our coaching, I know is when we're nervous about something, when we're worried about something, that is one story that like, this makes me nervous, but also like, what are those sensations in your body that are, yeah. that tell you that you're nervous? And could those sensations also potentially 
be the same sensations you would experience if you were anticipating something, if you were maybe excited about something. Well, yes, they are very overlapping. And so in this case, I was attuned to the fact that, yes, there was this little bit like, oh, like, don't get too ahead of yourself. But also, I'm excited to show up. And instead of being like, oh, no, I can't drink. And what will I do? It was, I can't wait to say, no, I don't want that. Thank you. Like, and really mean it. Yeah. And I did. And then it, you know, I had four social things that weekend, four largely alcohol-related social things that weekend. And, and it was, it, it was, I was like, I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I had more fun and, and it wasn't hard at all. I am, I am so free. I don't have any desire. And this is where it gets kind of cool too. You'll love this. Uh, this was December 12th, 2019. I get a sense that God is prepping me for something big, a battle, maybe health work. I don't know, but maybe he's calling me to establish a strong foundation of stillness, silence, and solitude and prep for the big storm that's coming. I hope that's not the case, but I trust him and need to lean into him more. This was at the end of a journal entry about how I hadn't been, you know, we were in in the come off this busy weekend with all these social things and school and, you know, work and all this stuff. And and I my my quiet time wasn't as carved out. And I was like, oh gosh, okay. Like I know I'm missing that. And I was paying attention to where maybe that was something that I could bring back into my routine as something that served me. And I wrote that. And then, oh my gosh, are you kidding? Like four months, not even four months later, three months later, COVID. Crazy. It's crazy. That is crazy. Crazy. And I, I talk about all the time too with, um, with clients that it's, I... I really, I can't imagine having done, I really do think that finding freedom from alcohol before COVID for me was just the biggest blessing because I can't imagine having done it. I can't imagine what my worry would have looked like otherwise, what my fear oh my would have. Gosh. I mean, yeah. when they were first started talking about COVID, when I first was hearing about this and I have my youngest with her health condition, rare health condition, it was like, Oh, okay. Like it brought all of that up to where it was like, well, we have no kind of protocol. We don't know what this is going to look like. There was yeah. real fear, but it but it was short lived because I wasn't throwing gasoline on that that fire, oh my gosh. The, the wine on the the worry as is. Right? Like it was so huge from the beginning of this journal. Like my first first day alcohol free or free from alcohol. There hasn't been a single desire or temptation to drink alcohol. This entire, like, that's what this journal shows. That's what I remember. Like, it's crazy. And that's when COVID started. I mean, right in the beginning there. So, yeah. Yeah. It just goes to show you that, like, you can do the work at any stage, too. Like, I love that so much because, like, you had this amazing firm foundation, like, I think going into into you know into your thing i kind of like did it simultaneously some people start you know start a break and then like find it and so but it's all i feel like so meant to be the way that it's supposed to be for all of us right like yeah as much as i used to say in the very beginning like the my only regret is not not starting this sooner like i wouldn't have gotten to the point where i wanted to stop if i hadn't gone through all the things i went through you know and so 
it just shows like God has made us so uniquely and 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 our journeys are are so different. Yeah. It's so true. Well, because to be completely honest, and maybe I covered this in the other episode about my story, but it was really 2018 when I'd gone to this um, felt sense meditation, guided meditation with a friend, which by the way, I had no interest in doing. And But the people pleaser in me at the time was like, I didn't want to say no and hurt her feelings. And so I was like, I'm going to go to this. And I prayed the whole way there, like, God, please don't let me make a fool of myself when I'm I have to sit there and be silent and still. This is when I was terrified of being alone. Mm-hmm. This is when I was like terrified of like silence, of stillness. Um, and and that started in 2018. And it was the most amazing experience. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. It was it was a Jesus experience. Like I met Jesus in that experience. It was so beautiful. And and then that started that kind of like awakening for me with like, okay, where is what is what is going on? Why am I feeling like this? But it was, I mean, that was twenty. That was the middle of twenty eighteen. It took me almost a, a almost a year and a half later yeah. to get to the point where I was like, no, really, like on my knees. Please help me do something about this. Like, I it, I don't want to do this anymore with the wine. So, yeah, it, it it start it can it can start in a lot of different ways. And I think that for me was huge. And that started because alcohol was the last thing I really wanted to look at. So I did all I did all the other like personal growth kind of things first. Like, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll focus on this first and medit- you know, like all this stuff. And we'll leave alcohol for last. Cause if I can still drink, yeah. but just like do all these other really healthy things, then maybe that'll be enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What other like physical stuff happened for you like in the very beginning like did you get really bad sugar cravings no hmm. i no i didn't but but i did have a day early on where oh my irritability when i was leaving the gym that day a couple days in you know i i sat with the feelings and oh i think part of my irritation is i've gained 12 pounds as the result of my uh, drinking and overindulging eating from drinking. And so like physically, I was I was hitting that point where I was like, oh my gosh, like this has been the physical effect of the drinking at this point. And also I'm ready to do something about it. And it would take a little while for that. But as soon as I kind of also brought that to the surface as something that like was bothering me and seeing that as something, you know, some, it, that that hustle, that all that time I spent trying so hard to compensate for all the wine calories I was taking in by killing myself in the gym. Once I kind of saw the truth in that, that this yeah. is what I'd done, it was easy for me to be like, but that's okay. I, I know now that like by removing this, by f- being free from this wine, I'm not going to have to deal with this part anymore. And eventually the weight, you know, normal, you know, evened out and I lost it or whatever, but, but also the focus became less on the weight yeah. as, as a great benefit as well. Yeah. Yeah. So physically that was true. And then, and then the sleep was just like nothing I'd ever experienced. I don't have a lot as far as like, I think, cause mine was kind of gradual too. I was already experiencing these like changes and, and, and things, but as I was like, kind of like tapering, tapering off, but the sleep, I, the sleep was like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. In, yeah. I mean, it's still the best night's sleep I've yeah. ever gotten. Yeah, same. 
insane. Even just doing this trip, like I counted, you know, like I've done the trip from Los Angeles to London at least 52 times, like at least 52 times in the last, yeah, if you think like three times a year for 16 years, like something like that. The jet lag is just so much easier to deal with when you're not. We talked about that on the travel episode, though. But yeah, the the sleep, the sleep is just absolutely key because it doesn't even like matter how many hours you're clocking in bed. It's about the quality. Right. And so, yes. Yeah, yes. that's that that beginning sleep. And also, like, just to encourage anyone listening who's like at the beginning of this and not getting that sleep right away, like, just keep at it. Because I, yeah. again, always bring it back to like a jet lag situation, a circadian rhythm type of situation where it takes a while for your body to adjust. If you've been waking up at 3 a.m. for a decade, like your body's like, what do you mean we sleep through this now? <laughs> you know, yeah. so just keep going because it is. It is coming and it might not be perfect in the beginning, but even if you are not in your bed for eight hours, you are doing yourself such a much better at like sleep service, so to speak, because of what's actually going on while you're while you're sleeping. Yeah, totally. And also paying attention to those stories that you're telling yourself if the sleep isn't and that's the thing that we hear so much about maybe and when we're newly jumping into the space that like your sleep is going to be because we know what a negative effect alcohol has on your sleep. We know how it thwarts every opportunity we have to restore our bodies and not just like feel rested, but like our bodies have to regenerate and restore itself. That's what that time is for. And so if we're just continually night after night uh, messing that up, like it's going to take a long time to get back. And it, it could take a long time to get back into that rhythm, but paying attention to what you're thinking is about that. Because if it's oh my gosh, like I did this really expecting to, and my sleep's not any better. Does this like kind of like I did with, oh my gosh, now I'm irritable. I knew this wouldn't lie. If you start going to that, telling these stories about what, you know, making this mean that I'm not going to be free forever. I'm doing this wrong or yep, it's short-lived. Like those kinds of things are also going to counter the work that you're trying to do in having a restful sleep because your your mind's going to be you know, fighting against that, creating a harder situation for you to actually sleep. Yeah, so true. I feel like we're just like scratching the surface and we're already at our Tina time. I know. (laughs) I know. But uh, before we do that, will you talk about some of the physical, because your experience was a little bit different. I would love if you would talk about the physical that you experienced yeah, I mean, uh, apart from like being a human jello person and being exhausted, again, did this in COVID and my daughter was baking. So I ate everything in sight. I definitely had the sugar cravings. I gained weight from being at an unhealthy, an unhealthy too thin weight. So then I freaked yes. out because I was like, I'm supposed to lose weight. And like, I had nothing to lose at that point because I was so, I mean, I was probably, you know, disordered eating to the maximum when I was drinking and especially at the end. So I went the other way and I then I got in my head about that because I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm this is not supposed to happen. Right. And so, I mean, gosh, I just wish I could go, go back, you know, and give myself so much more grace during that period and just let myself eat the banana bread and the ice cream without, you know, like second guessing it all every five seconds. But but honestly, like, I just remember thinking in those early days that, like, I just want to not drink as well. You know, I really that was the goal. And I, and I very much, and I think Dr. Brooke, we talked about this with Dr. Brooke, right? Like 
set the set the one thing, the one goal on how you want to feel based around drinking first. Like don't diet, don't do any of that because yeah. it's it's just it's too many things. But but yeah, so I mean, I I started sleeping amazing, but I also felt like a jello person. I had definitely had sugar cravings, packed on a couple pounds, but honestly just it was so worth worth all of it. You know, it was so so worth all of it. You know, and I think we talked about this maybe with, when Jess Connolly came in, just reframed yeah. what society's view of healthy was, right? Because now, now I'm stronger, literally stronger than ever, and and I exercise for different reasons, and so that's what makes me feel good, you know? Yeah. Not skipping dinner so I lose weight. <laughs> yeah, and so to your point, too, the physical benefits of not drinking are huge, but the freedom that comes from the getting rid of the stories that keep us stuck yeah. in other cycles. It's not just drinking cycle cycles that we get stuck in with, you know, all the meanings we have. And so just even being able to shift those those thinking loops and and create other ways also allows us to experience the physical benefits as a res- they they work together is what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. <laughs> it goes hand in hand. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So for Tiny Tina, yeah, what you got? Oh, my gosh. I think that the thing that I wish somebody had said in the beginning, which they probably did, but I think I felt blah, blah, blah. it's all temporary, right? It's all temporary. And it is not going to if it's hard, it's not going to be that way forever. The things that are tricky in the beginning become like total second nature and not a big deal. And so to just keep with it, if if you are experiencing like, you know, a hard beginning few days, mm. weeks, months, whatever it is, like knowing that, like, I mean, I can we say we promise you? I feel like we can. We promise you. Like it gets better. Like yes. it just does. It does. And so to just stick stick with it, even if it's if it's hard, because you're never gonna know what it feels like to be alcohol-free if you don't try. And the only way to try it for reals is to is to have the alcohol freedom dates under your belt so that you can actually feel it. And so, yeah, just stick with it. Yeah, I think that's like the what I call like the yes and. It's like, yes, it it may be hard. Yes, it, it, you're finding that it is hard. Or yes, it feels really good and you're worried about like my journal showed in the beginning i'm wor- you know i am worried about this lasting like i don't want to get too excited or too ahead of myself yes you can yes you can be irritable on day 4 and it doesn't have to mean anything unless you make it mean something so yeah yes anything you're feeling or experiencing or noticing is possible and also i think the reason why we have this podcast is because our experiences are so similar yet they are so different as highlighted here. And therefore, anything, anything is okay. Paying attention to how we either give power to those stories and let us, let them take us somewhere to hit that easy button of wine that, you know, yeah. is our conditioned response to when we feel uncomfortable or to be okay with, yes, I feel this way and I can allow it to be here and get curious about it and, just see. I can always I can always go back to drinking. That's yeah. I mean, that probably would have been something that I could have seen myself really saying over and over again. I can always go back to drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And at any point this doesn't today, if any point this isn't working for me, this freedom from alcohol isn't working anymore, I can go back to drinking if I want to. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I good. just 
haven't wanted to in why would you? four years. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, I cannot. I would love to someone to find me one one little thing that I haven't thought about, but it's not there. It's not there for me there. Oh, this is so fun. I love to go into your journal. We need to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much time do we have, right? <laughs> I've got journals upon journals upon journals. As soon as I decided that journaling didn't, I could call it something different and it, it wasn't journaling. What did you call it? I, I, I just called it like brain dumping or thought downloading, just get getting it out. I have a, a, a client that I've worked with that she kind of coined this. She says, I get it out. She writes and she, she's so cool. She writes in her non-dominant hand too. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. Like, just like the rhythm, like the rhythm coming from her. Anyway, she's like, I get it out. So I don't put it in. And it, mm-hmm. and it, I think for me, it was a place. Yeah. Like journaling became that, like, just pour it out, you know, just get it out on the paper. But as long as I wasn't calling it like journaling. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I did so many different like devotionals during those beginning. And so I, they're, you know, the writing is they're like in so many different places. I need to go back and find it. But I remember doing, oh gosh, what's Beth? One of Beth Moore's like really good ones where you go through and you write like a prayer. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Like you do a a six point like prayer every day. And like, what are you thankful oh, for? Yeah. What is uh-huh. it called? I, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll bring it to the next episode. But I was recently reading kind of like those beginning prayers when I was like in in it in the beginning. And I was just like, oh, gosh. Yeah, it felt so real and so hard and so scary in the beginning. And then it just like, you you know, you go back and you read that stuff and you're like, this is just not even remotely something that's not even a care in the world. Like, why would I ever care if someone didn't like me for not drinking? <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so true. Ending on that note, that that just reminded me of the the Armor of God study that I did around that time. And I have in here in one of my pages talking about how, like, you know, the shoes of peace, walking in the shoes of peace. And I said, I literally know finally what that feels like. Oh, uh, good. I love that. I free, love from, that. free from alcohol. I, like, now I I know what that feels like. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just got to keep standing firm in that. Love that. Oh, such a yeah. good one, babe. Yeah. Aww. I love it. I love it. We'll see you gals next Monday. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at love life sober with Christy and Mead at I'm not sober. I'm free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at needhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.